Welcome to Satisfied, where our aim is to behold the glory of God. I'm Nick Jackson, pastor of Timberline Baptist Church in Lacey, Washington. And this is Bobby Gaither, pastor of Hope Fellowship in Hillsboro, Oregon. We want to invite you to find our website, www.satisfiedinchrist.life. That is dot L-I-F-E. <laughs> I just love that he spells it. I do. I, I smile. I'm like laughing every time he does this. Hey, once again, we want to let you know we got uh, Chris Gorman, regional minister, here with us uh, to talk about our podcast topic today, which is... How to study the Bible. I, t- I kind of took that from you. You did, but I, I was expecting it. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, we're glad Chris can be here with us. Uh, Chris, as we said, is the regional minister of the NAB Northwest. So NAB is our denomination. Northwest is our region. And so he helps come alongside churches in Oregon, in Montana, in Idaho, in Washington, and soon Utah, it sounds like. So there's amazing things that are happening. He's an elder in my church. He's an amazing man that loves God's word. He's actually preaching for me these next couple of weeks. Uh, he is uh, he comes alongside and supports Bobby here. He's a wonderful friend. Uh, he let's see, he golfs without me and without and, me and without you too. Yeah, uh, that's weird. Didn't he golf with your dad or something? My dad wasn't invited. Chris, Chris, you go golfing with our relatives and don't invite us. What am I to say? <laughs> they like me more. <laughs> <laughs> that might be true. Now, a cool thing just about Chris Gorman that most people don't know and it, is, is he's a passionate preacher. Well, actually, everyone knows this if they've watched him. This man is passionate. <laughs> In fact, what's, what I love is that every time when he preaches, there's like 20 people that come up to me, and they're like, that Chris is so amazing. We just love how he preaches. Now, these people never have come to me and said like anything positive about my sermons. But Chris preaches, and they just come. And one thing they say is they're like, he is just so excited. All that to say, this man loves God's word. He's passionate, and he loves to preach. And so I, I'm glad that you're here with us, and I'm glad that I was finally able to slip that story in. That's, that's an incredible introduction. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get on to our topic. Um, the, the topic today is how to study the Bible. But before we get to how, I think our people need to be motivated as to why. We need to answer the question, and we need to actually produce it in our people, the why, right? The desire to study the Bible. So I'm going to ask you, why study the Bible? You want to take it, Chris? Well, I think just the first thing I think about is 2 Timothy 3, uh, 16. And it just says that, that, the, that is, the Word of God is, it is, is breathed out by God. Uh, it is useful or profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped. And so several pieces there, but the first one is it's, it's God's specific word to us. Like, he has revealed himself to us. He's spoken, and he's, he's revealed it to us that we might know him. And so, so the fact that it's God's word makes it important for us to study. Uh, that's how we know him. That's how we grow in him. And it's, it's profitable or useful for teaching, for rebuking. That is, it, it rebukes us when we're wrong. Uh, it corrects us. It, it doesn't just give us the 
that was, that was dumb. You shouldn't do that. It actually gives us a corrective instruction. It trains us in righteousness and how to live righteously before God so that it does all those things so that we may be thoroughly equipped to do the things that God has called us to do, to do every good work. And so if, I mean, it's essential then that we yeah. study, we study it. That's good. I think for me, uh, one of the passages that sticks out is that Romans ten seventeen. faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of God. The only way we come to faith is through the hearing of God's word. Um, it only makes sense in that the way we continue to grow, the way we continue to grow in our knowledge of God, our love for God is through the word. And so really, I just see the word as God's gift to us, that, that he would reveal himself to us, that we would be saved, and that we would grow in that knowledge and that joy of who he is. I love that the Bible starts out with, in the beginning, God it makes no case for God. It's just God exists. He's existed eternal, eternally, and with his mere words, he spoke creation into place. Um, and so when we come to the Bible, we come and, and we, we meet God. We, we hear, we read who he is, what he has done. Uh, we, we read about his character. Uh, we read about how he has saved us through his son, Jesus Christ. We read about our future that we have with him, that one day he is going to bring about a whole new heavens and new earth where we will dwell with him forever in perfect peace and perfect joy. So the Bible tells us all that there is about God. It tells us the joy that we have in God. It tells us how to have life in God. Uh, so the Bible, I just see, is essential um, as, it, as it brings us to God. And then, as you said, Chris, it equips us. It corrects us. It helps us to continue to follow him. I would say my, my big why, like the big reason why I seek to study the Bible is I learn God's character. I learn who he is. I, it, it is how we see, like I'm thinking of 2 Corinthians 3, 17, 18, right? Yeah. It's beholding, beholding as in a mirror the glory of God. Right and and from his glory, from who he is, from his character, which we see in his word, we are being changed from one degree of glory to another. I mean, just beholding the beauty of who God is, the glory of who God is, both fills us, it transforms us, it changes us. I mean, Romans twelve, right? Uh, we're supposed to be renewed in, in our mind, you know, through the word. Uh, but I also look. I look at the Psalms. I look at Psalm one nineteen. Uh, uh, and this is my prayer every time I go to study. It's open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. So, so going to God's word should be yeah. it, it, one of the most awe-striking, wondrous things because we are seeing, we are beholding the character, the beauty, the glory of who God is. And, and I think that's... That's what we want to impart to our people, right? Uh, yeah. We want them to, you know, when we preach or when we go to the Word, when we talk with them, we want to just pull back the curtain on this is who God is. Let, let us show, this is what we want you to see. Um, let me ask you this. Uh, so, so we've kind of said why. Before we get into, like, kind of the how um, and exactly, like, how do we study, but, but when do you guys study? Like, when do you find is, if you're going to spend, you know, some time in the Word, when do you do that on a, on a normal basis? I, I tend to, I'm a morning person. Um, I'm becoming less that, but I, as I get older, but I'm, I tend to read in the morning. I, I, it's quiet. 
Um, but yeah, I, I tend to read through, I, I read, try to read through the Bible um, most every year, depending on what I'm doing. And so, um, so I spend time reading, I spend time praying. Um, and I think that's, uh, for me, um, sometimes I'm studying something really thoroughly. Other times I'm literally just reading chunks of the Bible, just reading it. Um, sometimes stop at certain places, but yeah, in the in the morning is typical for me. I'll listen to it in my car. I drive a lot, so now I've started listening to it uh, on 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 my car uh, Bluetooth, uh, and that's been fun actually to actually listen to it uh, versus reading. You do it drive a lot. I bet you go through a lot of the Bible that way. Oh man, I can I can go through several several books of the Bible. That's yeah, incredible in, in a trip. Yeah, easily, and hmm. so it's and it's fun just to let it be kind of the the noise in the car. Like it's just the background just constantly, you know, and sometimes my mind fades off, but then all of a sudden I'm back and something grabs my attention and yeah, it's a, it's a helpful way to read the Bible. What about you, Bobby? When do you do it? Um, I am, we just went from summer to fall Yeah. from no routine at all to routine. Yes. Bobby (laughs) has four kids. I have four kids and yeah, my wife works and yeah. Um, so for me right now I'm, I'm getting up, you know, five, five 30 in the morning and reading, um, and then I take my kids, uh, drop them off at school, and I come back and I sit down and I read and I study. Uh, and so, I mean, we're blessed that that's, guys, that's our job. Like, I mean, how amazing is that? So, so I look at what I get to do, and I, I don't equate it to what the normal Christian necessarily gets to do. I mean, you know what I mean? I mean, yeah. really, during my work hours, I get to read. Um, but, but also, I'm a, you know, I think uh, we all can be this way in that uh, anytime I have downtime, um, we have a phone. I can flip on my app to the Bible or to a book, uh, and 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 that's so. So whenever my soul is thirsty, that's where I'm going. And, yeah. and the truth, truth be told, our souls are thirsty all the time. Uh, but but if I were to say, what's my routine right now? My routine is five five thirty in the morning. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's me too. Uh, I'm a morning guy. I think I've always been a morning guy. But I remember when we had kids. And I have three kids that I had to start changing my schedule. If I was going to have time in the word, it wasn't going to be during the day when especially, you know, they're babies and they're crying and diapers and all that kind of stuff. Or now that, you know, when they come home from school and they're they're ready to do a million different things, I can't be like, hey, guys, I need 30 minutes right now or or whatever time. So I started getting up earlier and earlier. So I, I'm a 5 a.m. I love 5 a.m. Uh, so I actually try to get up a little before because if I can sit at my couch with coffee made at 5, like that's, that's just an amazing thing for me. Um, I, I try not to advocate in a sense that everyone has to do it in the morning. I do believe it is one of the best times because I find as the day gets going, it just gets busier. And so if you're listening to this podcast and you're going, okay, when am I going to do it? Do it when you have time, but when will you have time? And when is that time going to be uninterrupted? I find when I'm up before anyone else in the house, I have very few interruptions. Um, So that's, I advocate for that in in the sense of, I, I think it's great. I do feel that, you know, some people it works better for it other periods of time. It, it, in an earlier period of life, honestly, before bed. Okay. I spent an hour before bed. You were one of those? It, it, yeah, I was. And, and, yeah, I know. Did you get saved then and then you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll say this. I'll say this. What's great about before bed is you wake up. You wake up thinking about meditating on rehearsing the gospel. That's cool. And in a way that now that, I mean, I, I love it in the morning. Don't yeah. get me wrong, but there's benefits 
other, I mean, throughout the day, yeah. right? Throughout, throughout the day. We, I'm one of those though, man, if I, after about eight, eight thirty, I can't read now. Now, maybe that's because I have kids now and I'm sorry, maybe it's because I get up early, but at eight yeah. 30, like yeah. I don't read anything anymore in my mm-hmm. house. And if I try to read in bed, uh, my wife knows that just will not happen. Yeah. I, I fall mean, asleep. I, I'm gone so fast yeah. now. So I, I think location I is big. For me, I have a very specific location. For one, it was always at a desk. This summer it changed just because of some, some physical things that I had. But I'm looking at going back to my desk. It's very important to me to have uh, a set place where my stuff is. Uh, so I, I really like that. You wrote some things down here, too, uh, that, that maybe uh, are other helps. Because part of part of the crux, okay, there's 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 the why. We have to have a, a motivation to study the Bible in order to actually do the things that we need to do. Because let's be honest, there are days where you just and you and I both just don't want to get up. I mean, yeah, five good, o'clock yeah. hits early when you're up late the night before because the kid's crying or someone's got a temperature or what. Uh, or just yesterday was tough and you really want to sleep in. So there's certain discipline things that that I think we just have to have uh, in order to be in the Word. But then there's other things, and, and you made a note, you know, where where do you study? And you were just saying that. Yeah, I find, yeah. I find the where, that location, is important. I, I really do find routine is, is one of the best things. And so if you're listening and you're like, man, I just I fly by the cuff all the time, that's how I ride. That probably works really good, but if you rely upon that, I think for Bible study, mm-hmm. nine times out of ten, that's probably not going to work, and you're probably going to regularly be saying, "Man, I'm always, I'm always finding that something gets in the way, or I didn't have it this day or that day." Yeah. So again, I, I think routine. Uh, you know, whether you use special pens, I, I have special pens. I, I, I do all these weird things. Um, but I have a journal. I keep all that right in one location. Uh, so I go to that location, and I feel just when I'm sitting there that's what I'm supposed to do. Like, I've just been there enough that I go and I sit at the desk because that is where I study, and I quickly am able to, to begin to do that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, a, uh, I'm definitely a little more, um, I don't, I, don't say, I definitely wouldn't call it fly by the seat of the pants. I have a routine. I have a place. Um, I like to, uh, but I change it up. Like, some days I'll go for a walk and I'll pray first. Yeah. Um, and then I'll go read the Bible. Uh, some days I'll actually read part of a book first, and then I'll read the Bible. Some days I just start off by reading the Bible. But as far as like a location of where I sit and kind of journal, I have a journal as well, and um, and where I read read and do all of that um, is is an easy chair for me. It's like the it's like my couch. I put my I, I'm more of the I can't sit at a desk and do it <laughs> for some reason. Like if I go in my office or any kind of desk, it feels like I'm. I'm, I'm at work now, and I'm, I'm starting to think stuff. So I, I sit on the couch. I have a blanket. I put a pillow on my lap so I can set yeah, my Bible there. Yeah, I do there. that now. And I have, and I, yeah, and, and I, so I sit there, and that, that's, uh, I mean, every single morning, uh, unless I leave at 5 a.m., sometimes I do, um, that's where I'm at. I'm on the couch. I put my feet up, recline them out, and blanket. Yeah, that's it. So, yeah. I have a, I have a, a, a lazy boy recliner. That is the most comfortable thing I've ever sat in. Yeah. And I push it forward and I push it right in front of, we have a fireplace in our house. And even during the summer, I do this. I push it forward, imagining the fire that sh- should be there <laughs> when it's too hot. Um, but I'm looking forward to the fall because that's that's fire how starts. I start. That, yeah, that's um, every morning. That will be it. I'm going to start the fire and have my coffee and, and sit down and pray and read and meditate. 
Um, I think one little note on that, just a note for the dads out there and us who are all dads. Um, when your kids are little and they they know that spot that you have, um, now I have older kids and I've realized like they know every single morning where dad's at and they know why he's there. And uh, that example, that constant example is it teaches them the importance and priority of God's word that I don't just talk about it to my family and teach that in our home, but they see this as a priority to me. So that just that consistency even has a, a discipling factor in your home when, when your kids know, oh, I know why dad's sitting there. That's good. Yeah, I think, I think that consistency is super important. And I will say, you know, in the beginning, I know when I started getting up early, you know, some people are like, oh, I just could never do it. It was hard. It was hard to study the Bible. I found my eyes closing. Um, now, after doing it for years, it is very, very easy. I can sit and read right away. Um, but I like what you bring up, Chris. Um, sometimes you, you walk first. Sometimes you pray. Some, it, it doesn't matter necessarily the order. And the order can change. And maybe it needs to change for you. Uh, but, but just that consistency. Um, I will also find that, that now where I'm at, when I miss a day for whatever reason, you know, maybe I did stay up way too late and I wasn't able to get up. I feel as though something's missing. We talk, our website's called Satisfied. I truly believe as we continue to come to Christ in his word every day, our souls are renewed. We, we experience that just satisfying of Christ. I do, I hunger and I thirst for it when I don't have it now. And I, and I don't think that's like a, a super holy righteous thing. I think that's what the word does. It yeah. creates that hunger. And so when people say, you know, I... I just don't want to be in it. I get that. And sometimes I think we're all there, but the more we persevere in the word, in the word, the more we read it, I find that hunger increases now. Like if I miss it, like I have to figure out how to carve that time now into my day. Uh, Yeah. And I think I heard one pastor say, if you rake, you get leaves. If you dig, you get gold. And, and studying the word is hard. So it is. I mean, think about, times maybe when your life I know I've had times in my life where where before I understood how to study the Bible I mean I read Romans and my head was just numb because it was in a fog because I had I could not piece together what I just read yeah you know so so part of what what maybe we should talk to here to the people listening is, okay, so if you're struggling, if it's hard for you to read the Bible and actually get something out of it, if you, if you know you should do it, and we, what we don't want to do is just put another law in front of you, like, hey, do this, this here's a checklist. This time of day, read this, this many chapters. That's right, and, and, and then you're holy and you're good, you're set. Really, we want our church, we want our people, our friends, to see the beauty of who God is the way we see it. Yeah. Right. The way we have seen who he is, which has come through study. So so the, the question of how is really important. Like, how do we study in a way that really produces that desire, that that that's that joy. Right. That's that's filled in us by and through the word. Well, you know, um, so I'll, I'll I'll lead with this. So I read a was that Sun River a couple weeks ago, it was the last hurrah before summer ended, and I picked up this book called Bible Study, uh, Following the Ways of the Word by Kathleen Nielsen. That's Nielsen, N-I-E-L-S-O-N, and we'll have this book on the website so that you can uh, check it out. It's on WTSbooks.com or Amazon, but uh, it, is, it is a super simple book. 
there was nothing that I, I necessarily learned and grew like first time. But I tell you what, reading this book just over the couple of days I was there, I was so encouraged in my own Bible study. Like I was encouraged. I was refreshed. It just reminded me of truths, of things to think about when reading the Bible. Uh, so I encourage everyone, if you, if you right now are reading the Bible super well, this is still a great book because it just reminds you of the truths that you see in the beauty and the diversity of God's word. Um, and so uh, I want to talk about something that, that I read in there because it kind of talks about how. But let me do say this. I love Bible reading plans. I think they're great. Um, but Bible reading plans are often just a way to make your way through the Bible. Bible study is kind of when you're going a little slower. And so if you have time, you might be able to do both. Maybe you have seasons in life when you can do a Bible reading plan and knock out, you know, maybe you read it in a year, maybe you read just, maybe you read it every two years, whatever it is. Um, but slowing down and reading the Bible uh, and studying it, I think that takes a little bit more time. And, uh, and that's usually reading less, um, less chunks or smaller chunks, I guess I could say. Um, so one of the things that it did is it gave seven C's. And I don't necessarily use these seven C's when I'm sitting at the Bible, when I'm doing my own Bible study, but they were an incredible reminder for me. And so I just thought we could walk through them uh, and just talk a little bit about them and how we do them um, on, on the mornings. But, but number one, it starts out with crux. And these all, again, come from this book called Bible Study. Uh, and the number one, crux, and they're all C's, so some of them sound a little funny, but crux, C-R-U-X. The idea is, what's the main idea of the text? And can you... You know, upon studying this text, understand what the main idea of the text is. And so it kind of starts there, and then the other C's begin to flesh out how you do that. Okay, if we're going to understand why Paul wrote this, why John wrote this, why whatever biblical writer there is, we need to know how do we figure out the main idea? How do we figure out what is his point? Um, and that's something, you know, I think a lot of our people, they go through a lot of their lives always go, man, I don't know how to figure that out. And I think they're discouraged. Mm -hmm. And and I think so. I think if we can do a better job equipping, I think that'll help our people desire to be in the word more. So um, so to kind of go from crux, the main idea, the next one is context. Uh, what surrounds the text, mm -hmm. before the text, after the text, how the text fits in the whole book, how the text fits into the whole Bible. Um, how do you guys do that? You're preaching through John right now. Yeah. And so how much does context matter? Like, you, I think you just said you preached John 2? Yep. Like, so how does John 2— Context is everything. I mean, and, and yeah, because that actually informs— John is, John is so um, intentional in where he put every single sign and miracle that he spoke of. So context, and in fact, after you get through you know, your, the seven C's, and I'll just briefly say kind of my method, um, and, and part of it is context informs all of it. Yeah. If I don't have context, uh, I'm, it, what it does is it frees, or should I say it misguides those who are reading or to apply it naturally to themselves in whatever way they want and and i <laughs> we're going to do a segment at some point it's it's, it's we're either going to call it stupid things christians say or uh <laughs> i look very forward to that <laughs> and and a lot of these are from misguided well-intentioned yet misguided christians who didn't understand the context of the passage 
of the, of the scripture that, that they're using. Um, uh, because we always look for things that, how does this apply to me? Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and, and unfortunately, that's been the method of preaching for the last, I don't know, 30, 40, ever since the seeker movement is, how does this apply to you now? What are three, what are three things I can take away and make my life better? And we, we totally just rip text out of context. Absolutely. So that way we can make it say whatever we want. In fact, one of the examples in the book that, that the writer gave, which I thought was fabulous, she's in First Thessalonians, which, Chris, you love First Thessalonians. And the whole book of First Thessalonians is really about how we live in light of Christ's return. Yep. And so at the end of the book, uh, starting in chapter 5, verse uh, 11, verse 12, somewhere right in there, is you start going into this list of commands. And these are commands on how we're supposed to act, on how we're supposed to live, on the way we treat the leaders within the church, on praying and all these things. And you could easily take like a sermon and just say, well, you're supposed to respect your leaders uh, or you're supposed to, you know, whatever the commands are. But those commands are specifically given to think about in the framework of we do these as the means in which we live as we wait for Christ's return. They're not just commands that we do, but they're to be commands that are done as we wait for Christ's return. In in looking towards Christ, we live this way. This is the way we look towards Christ. Well, I would would even say that those commands... Tell us about the character of God. Yeah. So, so like for example, be holy. Why? Well, because I'm holy. So, so God's commands to us reveal His glory, reveal His character, and I think that's my opinion, and I think it would be ours too. Right? The Bible is primarily the revelation of God and who He is to man. That's the first, his first aim, his first goal. And, and secondarily, not that, it's, not that it's not important, but secondarily, then it's, then it's teaching. Then it's yeah. commands. Then it's because I am this, this is who you are to be, right? So, so I think, what, again, what the, 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 the three or the easy um, three-step sermons have, have taught us is we'll look for what God tells you to do and then go do it. Right. Yeah. Uh, when, when really, in, in how I'm viewing the word now is look at who God is and then respond to it. Yeah. I, I think too, and this, this fits into context, um, for me personally, even, and I've found this to be true in, in just people that I've discipled is that what makes the Bible come alive, like what, what we, what we struggle with in that whole thing is by, we just read little tiny chunks of it and like parts that we like or, um, but what makes the Bible come alive and what's made it come alive to me is when the dots get connected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. When you, when you realize I may have trouble understanding Romans and part of it is because I'm not understanding the whole thread from Genesis to Revelation of what, what is, what is the Bible about? Like what is the trajectory of redemption history? Um, why, for instance, I'll give an example of like context. So why is Genesis 36 in the Bible? <laughs> yes. Yes. You got Judas, who's a total doof, right? I mean, the guy's, he's, he's, he's not doing his job. Like, he's terrible. You have this unbelievable story unfold there, right? Wait, what's that, the story? Judah and Tamar. Oh, Judah and Tamar. Not, not Judas. You, I thought you I said, said Judas. Judas. I may have said later. Judas. Like, Judah. Uh, that's Judah. why Chris is having a hard time understanding yes. Judah and Tamar. <laughs> 
But but you think of that, like yeah. you, if if you read that individual story, people go, "Man, the Bible is stupid." Like, what's that about? But if you understand the whole trajectory of what God is doing and the faithfulness of God and the mercy of God and yeah. the patience of God, yeah. if you understand that Judah is the line, his offspring is the line through which the promised Messiah is going to come, mm-hmm. and you realize that that bigger picture, that bigger story, all of a sudden that story has unbelievable weight and shows yeah. incredible grace. Like, it's a hard story to teach, especially when little children are in church. <laughs> so you should go but, home and read that if you're but, listening but, to this. But if you don't understand the context, you don't know what those things are about, and it yeah. makes no sense. You don't know the characters. You, I know you're going to get to that. Like, the characters, you don't understand uh, Jacob. Like, what, what's, what's the big deal with this guy? He's also yeah. messed up. Like, if you don't understand what these characters are about, because we don't understand the, the, the thread. So context, um, where you're talking about, like, what's around the text, What's the other books around the text? Is context in the New Testament, Old Testament, and then the whole Bible? Like when we actually pan out far enough to where we can see the con, the whole context, like the whole thread of Scripture, it it makes it come alive. Well, and we'll talk about biblical theology in a moment because uh, yes. we, we want to throw out a couple of resources there because that is so incredibly helpful. Uh, one more comment though on it is so we're preaching in Revelation right now in our church. Understanding context is key. So so many people have a hard time with Revelation because you just see it as all these crazy visions and, well, how does it actually work together? Um, But when you begin to see that Revelation is about a people in a tribulation and it's calling them to persevere, and then you come to like the visions that we have in chapter 4 and chapter 5 of the vision of God on his throne and the vision of Jesus as a lion that looks like a lamb that was slain and how they're being worshipped, and how that plays and functions as a means to help and encourage the church to persevere. All of a sudden, Revelation yeah. begins to make sense. That's so right. context is key in any book of the Bible. And I find that if we're not willing to do context, it's usually, a, it's actually, I think, a form of pride. It's saying, I don't need to understand this. Um but when we say, look, I need to understand, you know, maybe background or maybe what comes before this text, what comes after this text, we're humbling ourselves yeah. to the text. And we're really humbling ourselves before God saying, I, I want to learn. Well, and, and I think part of it, the, the Timothy passage, all of scripture, right? Yeah. Breathed out by God and, and, and profitable for teaching and rebuke. And, and then what Jesus says, which is all the law of prophets point to me. Yeah. Every single piece of it. Yeah. So, so the other part of the biblical theology, whether you look at Old Testament or New Testament, no matter what God is doing, it's pointing to Jesus. So, so even take, for example, John 2, right? Uh, Jesus didn't just turn water into wine in order to let the party keep going. Jesus was saying something specifically about who he is, what he does, and what the final wedding banquet will be like yeah. and what it's for. And the wine specifically was a symbol of joy. Yeah. So he said so much, both in what he used to make the wine, the jars for purification. I mean, you could just read over that. Oh, yeah, there are six stone jars. Jesus could have made wine out of anything. But he chose these six huge, ginormous jugs of, of water that's used to wash people clean. Huh. Yeah. What do you think God might be saying about what Jesus is going to do? I mean, there, there's when you really start to dig in, it just yeah. becomes... Baffling, and I would say it, the cool thing is, is 
Because if you're reading this, you go, man, I never saw that. Or if you're listening yeah. to this, I never saw what Bobby just said about the jugs. Well, you know what? We didn't either. Yeah. You know? Like, yeah. it's, it's why we keep reading the Bible. Because as we keep going, maybe it's like the layers of an onion. We keep going deeper yeah. and deeper and deeper. And the cool thing is, every time we, we, we read the, the, a, a book over or a text over again, we're, we're discovering yeah. these truths that are so rich and life-giving mm-hmm. and satisfying. Um, so that's amazing. Uh, let's let me go. There's so there's context which you which is used. Configuration. What's the shape of the text? I think that's key. Mm-hmm. Like outlining the text. Like how does the text mm-hmm. move? Mm-hmm. And I, I would encourage you if you've never taken a piece of paper and a pencil with the Bible, uh, just outline one of Paul's arguments. So helpful. Um, so helpful yeah. if you're going to, especially going through Romans, uh, characters. You know who's involved. Uh, why are they involved? And then knowing. Why did God choose these people? Like they're used to advance a story, like what you brought up, uh, Tamar and and Judah. Like, why are they used? Like, why Judah? Why is it so important? It's him and not Reuben or Simeon or one of the other guys. But what's the point of the story about Judah? I, yeah. I don't think we always pay attention to the, the characters who are there. And God, God could have told a story about another character, but He chose this character at this point. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. No, I think the. Um, in some ways, one of the, that, that's one of the most simple things we can do because all of us have taken English, and we can really, we can really take a, a, any given passage in the Bible and just simply outline it. Just go like, so what's the subject? <laughs> you know, the verb. You know, like really, we could, we could, we could just go through. I think sometimes uh, we, on the one hand, there are complicated things to wrestle with in the Bible, but on the other hand, um, there's some simple things that we can just, just basic principles yeah. of the English language or whatever language you're, you're in, whatever, and just simply outline simple stuff. And it'll help us at least see the flow of thought. Um, what is he asking of us? What is he telling us about uh, God? You know, um, and I think that's, that's a helpful, just seeing what is the, what type of thing is this? Is this poetic? Is it uh, a command? Is it, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and then the uh, the other three things are always looking for Christ, like like you just said, all, all the prophets, um, everything is pointed towards Christ. So every text ought to lead us to understanding who Christ is, um, what He has done. Um, it, it ought to move us to worshiping our God and how He has sent Christ to satisfy us to meet all our needs. Which, if you're a pastor, uh, this is a really easy lead into communion every Sunday. Totally. Amen. Totally. Yeah. Not that I'm for that, but I'm way, no, I am, I'm way for it. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, curiosities. I, I think that's, uh, I like that she put this in, in one of these C's. Like just what stands out, what's interesting, what's surprising, or maybe what leaves you with a question? Maybe we don't understand everything in every text that we read. I read things and I'm like, man, I don't, I don't get this one. Uh, Chris and I were talking earlier about certain parts of one of the visions and revelations. Like, I, I don't know. So maybe I'll just write that down. If I, if I had a journal, say, okay, what are my curiosities about this text? I, I don't understand this. Or, well, that's surprising that this happened. And then the last one, uh, you know, what's the conclusion? You know, now, after I've been able to understand the shape of the text, the, uh, you know, the configuration, the context, the characters, Christ, my curiosities, now I know the main idea. Now I can say, how does this text get applied? Mm-hmm. And, and what's cool is we didn't just say, what does this text mean to me in the very beginning? Because then we usually pervert the text. But we've taken time to understand what really God is communicating in this yeah. text. So now we can know how to really apply it for ourselves. And so I, I loved that. Um, 
these these seven seeds that she gave, they were incredible. They were just encouraging mm-hmm. to me. I feel like I can hand these to anyone, and automatically someone can can easily begin to study the Bible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I love the going back to. I like the curiosity one that she put in there because that's um, um, I think it's good just for us as Christians to be a lot more curious than we are. Like we should ask the really strange questions. Like when we see stuff in the Bible that kind of like that's weird or that doesn't make sense or that's ex- exactly the opposite of the way I would think. Um, we should be curious enough to go. I, I want to look into that. Like I need to. Yeah. I need to wrestle with that. Like or in in the Revelation four that I'm speaking on this week. Like like why is it that there's this the the idea of a door just keeps coming up? Mm-hmm. What's that about? Like. It may mean nothing, but to me, I'm like, that's a note to me. Like, yeah, that's good. I'm, yeah. I'm going to find out. Like, what's the deal with the trumpet? That keeps and it's cool. And if we like, write those down, then maybe later we answer. Maybe not even that week. Yeah. Maybe it's not even when we're in Revelation. Maybe we'll be in some other book of the Bible, and all of a sudden, just God through His Spirit is going to work. And we're going. Wait, yeah. now, now I think I understand something else. Well, I, th- I think you just hit on something there too. We don't read the Bible as an academic exercise. Amen. Yeah. Like that, yeah. that is not the end goal for which we're reading the Bible. We're reading the Bible because we want to know who God is. We want to see and behold his, I'll just go back to it again, his glory and, yeah. and be satisfied in him. And so prayer is, is just an intricate part. If we're going to understand yes. anything, if, if the Bible is going to be useful at all, because there are academics who understand the culture, the history, the, um, uh, uh, the language of the Bible far more than you and I ever will, but there's not the spirit of God living inside them yeah. that that draws them to faith and leads them that way. Mm-hmm. So without the spirit of God, uh, all that is is just a story. When it's like your text that you mentioned earlier in Second Corinthians three, you know, sixteen, or whatever, beholding the glory of God, we we are tr- we are being transformed mm. from one degree of glory to yeah. another. So. So it's by knowing him, by seeing him, yep. that, that we're transformed. So the question would be mm-hmm. sometimes, are we reading the Bible in order that we might know him and be transformed? Is, mm-hmm. is, our, is our, our way of reading it so that we would yeah. be transformed uh, into his likeness yeah. more and more? And that's, yeah. Well, that's a heart thing. It is. I mean, that's a, right? It's, it's a, yep. yeah. Which is why prayer is important. Like mm-hmm. we, we pray ourselves through text. And yeah. sometimes we simply pray, God, I don't get this at all. We set it down. We pray throughout the day, and sometimes we'll be driving down the road. I will, and also be like, "Oh, mm-hmm. you know, something hits me." Like God, mm-hmm. God works in those moments. So, and, yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, well, I think you're right. I, I really liked how you just said that. Um, are we reading the Bible to behold the glory of the Lord? And that's what we. That's what happens when we come to the Bible. It, it says, uh, "Yeah, Second Corinthians three eighteen, and we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord." are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. Yeah. Well, how do we behold the glory of the Lord? One of the primary ways is coming into his yeah. word where God reveals himself. And so it's, it's as we do that degree by degree by degree mm-hmm. will be transformed. So I think we asked earlier, well, why? Why do we read the Bible? Because it's through the Bible we become more like Jesus. It's through yeah. the Bible we begin to look more like Jesus, to live like him, to, to love like him. Yeah, and, and, and I would even put something before that because I still think those are secondary. I yeah. still think the, the trend, like, right? I mean, the, why do you even want to be transformed? Why do we even want to be like God? What, why? Yeah. I think yeah. there's something even underneath that. Like, you, you following yeah. me? Um, because we, yes, we, we want to be 
holy people. We want to be righteous people. But the reason why that desire is there is because we've found satisfaction in Jesus. We've, we've found, at least for me, I mean, I would say that the only reason, only des- reason I have any desire to be holy is because I have every desire to be filled and satisfied in Jesus. That's it. That's it. But that actually brings up a... Um I've felt this in my own Christian walk, is that I can pursue being righteous and holy in very unrighteous and unholy ways. Yes. I can read my Bible yeah. in, a, in a way that is either life-giving, mm-hmm. like which means I'm reading it in dependence upon the Spirit, yeah. trusting that God through it is going to work in my life and awaken in me affections for Christ, that I may see Him and know Him rightly, or I can read the Bible as simply a check mark in my righteousness checklist that says, if I read the Bible every day, I'm a righteous, good Christian, and God will love me more. And so I can read it that way, which will be unsatisfying, yeah. unholy, and will, will actually cause me to become really discontented. A Pharisee, um, yeah, right? Unsat- that's, that's, yeah. What, that's what we do. That's exactly right. And so that's a... Uh, and, and I've felt that difference in my own life at times. I've had yeah. times where, and you know what that feels like. You know that when, you, when you're wrestling with, out of a very legalistic, self-righteous means, you're reading the Bible and praying every day because that's what we do. I, I've, I've felt that, the, the deadness of that in my life versus coming to it going, God, I need life. Like, I, I'm going to die without you. I need you to yeah. work through your yeah. word today. I need to That's know good. you. I need to feel your presence today. Yeah. And, and have a sense of desperation of God, you need to work today. I'm going to open your book and mm-hmm. teach me yeah. wonderful things in your law. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. But. That's good. Um, you know, one of the things I found that has probably been one of the most helpful things in studying the Bible was really what they call biblical theology. Mm-hmm. I think that may be one of the just most pivotal things that have happened in my life. And when, when I begin to understand biblical theology, and that's, that's understanding the story of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, the themes that run through, the big ones, the small ones, and, and how it's all one large story, that that all of a sudden put pieces together. All of a sudden it was like, okay, Leviticus uh, and, and Isaiah and Jeremiah, Lamentations, Haggai, Zechariah. Like all, how, how do these books now function then with Matthew? You say Haggai? Go ahead. Yeah, Haggai. Isn't it Haggai? Well, you know, some say that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know, it's Haggai. <laughs> Keep going, sorry. Back off. We'll have a Hebrew. We'll have a Hebrew lesson before yeah, this is maybe. over. Olive, faith, Kimmel, down. We'll go through it. Uh, but you know, just how it's actually one story. We begin in a garden and we end in a city, yeah. and we begin with God giving a mandate for for man to go forth and to fill the earth and to multiply and make image bearers. At the end of the bu- at the end of the book, we have an entire world filled with image bearers, which only happens now through Jesus Christ. Yes. So yeah. that by far was 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 huge for me. Um, how has that played out just in you guys? Yes. I, I mean, I just, uh, just understanding biblical theology has opened up 
so much in my understanding. I mean, if just for example, go back to John two. There's so much. There's so much there yeah. uh, of what God is doing in the process of as Jesus finally steps onto the scene and his first miracle, even though he says his hour has not come yet, right? But he still does something to teach us about him and where we're going and how we're getting there. Um, it, 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 Leviticus, yeah, I mean, who would want to sit down and read just a bunch of laws, right? <laughs> but, yeah. but there's so much there. There's so, so much, much blood. Yes, and so much blood. But God is, God is speaking to us both about his character and, and about his goodness if we see it in the larger context. Yeah. Yeah. If we can't see it in the larger context, then we're not going to understand uh, how that little dark spot plays, what it looks like in the tapestry of all that he's doing. It's a, yeah, the, I was thinking about the um, one of the most fruitful for me personally um, like message series I, I preach was through the book of Exodus. And when we got to the tabernacle, you know, when you're reading through the details of the tabernacle, like it took this much, you know, yarn and <laughs> this much. And you, it's the exciting part. You're like literally like you're reading it through just in first glance. You're reading it through going, you know, oh, man, I'm, how am I even going to preach this? Like, but, but once you understand like the point, like when you, when you understand the whole story of scripture, you go back to Genesis and you see creation and you begin to realize that the, the details of the tabernacle in the ceiling, um, literally when the priest walked in, God had set up and created this place in which he walked in and saw paradise that was lost. It's almost like when, when, the, when, the, when the priest walked into the presence of God in the temple, he was visually actually able to see. It was a whole picture of Genesis and the creation and the way things are supposed to be. And, and so when you start piecing the pieces of the tabernacle together and seeing that connection and then seeing how it connects to the gospel, it absolutely blew my mind. I, I was, I talk about passionate. I was incredibly passionate. It just got me how so excited. How passionate were you? I wasn't going to punch anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Not that way. But it was, it was amazing. Like, I, but it, it really opened my eyes to just see like the beauty of something that seems very obscure and just mundane. It's like reading the, you, you think about it, it's like literally like reading the building plans of a, you know, like pulling out the, the, the drawings yeah, the of a building and, all, and just yeah. reading it. We're going to have five two by fours here. And like, <laughs> you know, that's really what it is. But when you, when you see it in the larger context, it just, all of a sudden, it is opens this, up is this sermon series that you preached online still? Uh, yeah, that one is actually. Yeah, where so, would I go to find? Yeah, this? you'd probably have to either go to Central Valley Community Church in uh, Hartford, South Dakota, or uh, SermonAudio.com. I'm just yeah, thinking, so. I want to go listen to this. Like, I'm actually yeah, enticing. <laughs> it was exciting it was because the, I admit going through those, going through that section in Exodus, that's hard. Oh man, it is. Um, yeah, but so if, if you're listening. Um, so maybe you're going like, okay, so how do I begin to understand biblical theology? There are some complex books, uh, but there's some incredibly, incredibly easy books. One of my favorites, I give it to just about everyone. In fact, we just bought them for the elders at our church to, to begin giving out to other people, is God's Big Picture by Vaughn Roberts. Vaughn is V-A-U-G-H-N. That'll be on our website, which is www.satisfiedinchrist.life. Where are you going to spell life? L-I-F-E. <laughs> um, so you can go check that out. That is an amazing book. It is simple. It's about 150 pages. Very, very easy. There's pictures. There's graphs. Uh, there's pictures. You can color. But uh, <laughs> it is 
it was it was probably one of the just the best books I've ever read, and it's incredibly simple, but it just helped me for the first time really begin to see the story of the Bible, the unfolding story. It is incredible, life changing for me. An- another resource um, that I read um, in the last couple of years, uh, Michael Lawrence, uh, who's a pastor here at Henson Baptist Church uh, right here in Portland. He uh, he wrote a book called uh, Biblical Theology for the Life of the Church, right. and it's another just a really small book. Uh, very practical. I mean, anybody can read it, but it really just gives a, a real practical way to think through the whole picture of Scripture and the and the thread. So, it yeah, that's a really good one as well. A, a good thing about that that book is it covers some of the genres in the Bible. Yes, which that's I mean that's a whole other topic, but that's a that's a big thing to understand is genres and that there's different types of writing in the Bible. Yeah. Hey, we want to thank you for listening and joining us uh, again. This is satisfied. Uh, where our aim is to behold the glory of Christ. Nick, would you pray for us? Yeah. Father, we, we come to you now, and we just thank you that you've given us your word. God, you've given us your word that has revealed you and all of your glory and all of your splendor and all of your majesty. You have shown us in your word that, that this world there's much more than just us. There's much more than just what we see. But God is ultimately meant to all lead us to you. The fact that you've created us, that we would be satisfied in you, that we would know you, that we'd be full of joy, that we would share in your glory. God, we thank you that you have given us your son, Jesus Christ, and that your word so beautifully shows just the story that unfolds revealing how you sent your, your son, the promises that you have made, the promises that you have fulfilled, how they all come true in Jesus. Lord, I pray uh, for myself, for Chris, for Bobby, and, and those who are listening. Lord, we pray, God, help us to read your word. Give us wisdom. Give us knowledge. And Lord, we know, we know that that's a prayer that you will answer, for you have given us your word f- so that we will be filled with knowledge. So God, fill us with knowledge. Give us a hunger. Lord, I pray just for us as men who lead, who teach our families, who, who are, have roles within the church. God, help us to love and hunger for your word more, that we would shepherd the, the congregations we are in, our families. Lord, help us to, to desire you more. May your spirit incline our hearts to desire you, to want you, to thirst and hunger, and only in your word that we would be satisfied as we behold your glory. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the grace that you've given us. In your name, Jesus, amen.